0: Amen. Um, Well, I want to go ahead and bring to your attention before we dive in. Go ahead and open your Bibles to the book of Jeremiah, Old Testament book, Jeremiah chapter 29. The scriptures will be on the screen for you if you need it, but just want to bring that to your attention um, as we uh, are are transitioning to our time in the Word. And uh, like I said, it's good to be back. And I've been watching from home at the services each week. And, uh, you know, first off, I, I know it's been several weeks But that first week after my surgery, when I thought that I was going to be Superman and try to rush in here and preach, um, the deacons stepped in and they led us in a wonderful time of prayer. And, And I'm just so thankful for that. And I look back over the last several weeks and I look at the sovereign hand of God and his divine timing with that. Because church, I don't know if you've realized what happened in those last couple of weeks, but that week that they prayed was a, a buffer week, if you will, for us before we went into our vision series. And that week when they prayed, it brought us all before God in prayer, waiting to hear what God would say to us over these next three weeks. Because these past two weeks and what we're hearing today is very, very uh, foundational and a, a very core truth for us as a church. Because this is who we are. This is, this is why we exist. This is why we're here. What you've heard the last two weeks through Pastor Walter, and I've got to tell y'all, which, by the way, Walter's here. Walter is in the kids' area right now. He, he's serving our children because Trisha has not had time off ever <laughs> since she started. So Trisha's taking a few weeks off, some much-needed time off. She's, she didn't want to, and we asked her to, <laughs> just so that she can enjoy that. And Walter's in there helping with the kids right now. He'll do that next week. And then we'll have some other volunteers the week after that, just to give Tricia a little bit of a break. And, and Tricia, if you're watching, we love you, and we're praying for you that you enjoy this time off uh, before you come back and, and serve faithfully again. But uh, Walter's in there today, and the last two weeks, man, Walter has knocked it out of the park. I mean, we, he and I talk consistently, and our prayer is that we would just continually hit solid singles. Give me a baseball reference. Solid singles each and every week. But man, the boy has knocked home runs the last two weeks. It's been amazing to 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 watch and hear the messages that have come forward. And we've been talking through this sermon series, Thy Kingdom Come. And the whole purpose of it is to give you these three core truths, these three values for us as a body of believers here at Holmes Avenue. Who we are, this is who we identify as. And this is what we're going to be doing moving forward as a church. We We were praying all throughout this year trying to decipher when. Because we we felt these three core values for some time, but we were trying to decide when, and COVID hit and all the things that come with that. And we we knew in God's divine timing this was the right time to be preaching these messages. And we've just seen God move and work so beautifully over the last several months. At a time when things are so uncertain and things are so difficult, we have seen God continually, consistently move in and through His church. Not just Holmes Avenue, but the other churches in this community. And if you're new to Holmes Avenue or you're new to this concept of hearing these things, of people talking about church partnership, we're not a territorial-minded people. We're a kingdom-minded people. This is our purpose. This is our vision. This is our mission. And we can't reach every man, woman, and child in this circle of accountability on our own. We need our brother and sister congregations. We need that for the kingdom to advance. And so in week one, you heard Pastor Walter preach from Luke chapter 10, 1 and 2. What we pray every day with Luke 10, 2, the harvest is plentiful and the labors are few. And so you heard the core value of we pray. You didn't hear the what. You heard the why we pray. Last week, you heard not just the what of why or the what of we equip, but why we equip, why we preach and teach the word of God verse by verse through scripture, why we do so on Wednesday nights through our online gathering. And as things continue to get better with this COVID situation, when we gather together more like we were doing before COVID hit, we continually teach and equip you because we have been reconciled to God and we are agents of reconciliation on mission for him. Which leads us to today. We deploy. So we pray, we equip, we deploy. And the what, if you will, and you can look here on the screen, Matthew 28 18 through 20. Jesus gives this command for us of the Great Commission. And it says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. That is the what? That is the command of our God to go and make disciples. Why? Well, because Jesus told us to. (laughs) Right? But why? We're going to look at that today. We're going to look at a specific passage in the Old Testament that points us to this, and I pray you'll see these applicable truths of why we deploy on mission. So with that said, if you would, let's stand together to honor the reading of God's Word as we are in Jeremiah 29, verses 1 through 14. 29, 1 through 14. And the Word of the Lord says, these are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent to Jerusalem and the surviving elders of the exiles and to the priests, the prophets, and all the people from whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This was after King Jeconia and the queen mother, the eunuchs and the officials of Judah and Jerusalem, the craftsmen and the metal workers had departed from Jerusalem. The letter was sent by the hand of Elasa, the son of Saphon. And Geromar, the son of Hilkiah, whom Jedekiah king of Judah, sent to Babylon, to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. It said, verse 4, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat their produce, take wives and have sons and daughters, take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. This is the word of God. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, I thank you so much for today. Lord, I thank you for the time of worship we've had to you, crying out to you in song. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for the corporate gathering of the saints. Father, I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you, Lord, for what you have done through us through the finished work of Jesus at the cross of Calvary, his defeat of death and his resurrection from the grave. Lord, we are unworthy of your grace and your mercy, but, Lord, you give it to us every day. Lord, I pray now, Lord, as we dive into your word, Lord, that you make clear what you want said today, Lord. Let the meditations in my heart be pleasing to you, Lord. I pray, God, That you would move in this place. Lord, we love you. We bless you. We pray, Lord, that you would increase. We would decrease. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Now, before we dive into the first point, I'm really going to start at verse 4. But I want to give you a context of verses 1 through 3. Okay? So for context purposes in this passage... We're looking at this, and we see again in verses 1 through 3, these are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders of the exiles and to the priests, the prophets, and all the people from Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This was after the king and queen mother and eunuchs and the officials of Judah and Jerusalem, the craftsmen and the metal had departed from Jerusalem. The letter was sent by the hand of El, excuse me, Elasah, the son of Shaphan, and Gomorrah, the son of Hilkiah, whom Jedekiah, king of Judah, sent to Babylon and to Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, it said. And then we'll dive into verse four. But you have to look at this, this message that Jeremiah is sending out. He's sending this message to those that are in exile. Okay? Now it says there that they were taken into exile by Nebuchadnezzar. But as we see just a few verses later, it is actually God, and we're going to dive into that point. It is God who has led them there, and God has led them there for a purpose. Now, this is around the year 597 B.C. when this is taking place. And Jeremiah is instructing these exiles of how they are to behave in this new land to them of Babylon. And we have to understand, the Babylonians that they are around, they are, they are lost, pagan. Adulterous, uh, idolatrous people. Now, I want you to think about something for a minute. I know that we are not necessarily exiled here at forty six hundred two Durant Avenue in North Charleston. Okay, I understand that, but I want you to see some of the things that God is saying to them through this passage. Okay, because we are deployed on mission by God because He has brought us all here. If you, number one, are a member of Holmes Avenue Baptist Church, you have identified yourself as a member of this body of believers. God has led you here, and you have said, I am on mission with this core group of believers. This is my family. This is where God has led me. Therefore, whatever God leads, I follow in. I'm a part of this body. okay? And if we are a part of this body, we have been called by God to reach this community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is our purpose. That is our mission. And if you're not here for that purpose and mission, why are you here? (laughs) That sounds very direct, but I'm just saying. We have been told by God to live on mission for this purpose. The Great Commission is very clear to go and make disciples. He has called us for the purpose to go out and to be deployed on mission for Him. And so there are people that we have been called to. Just as these people are called to be exiled there in Babylon... We have been called to be exiled here to Park Circle in North Charleston, South Carolina. And I'll tell you, when it comes to ministry, I've, I've got several pastor friends that are right here in the community that I have become very, very close with. And not many of them are from this area. I, I'm a, I was told by my good friend Brett Pagan at, at Cooper River Baptist a couple weeks ago, he goes, dude, you are rare when it comes to ministry. God has kept you in the same area throughout your ministry. I've been in ministry 10 years. I'm not bragging on that, but I'm thankful for what God has done. I've been born and raised in this community. I have seen what God has been doing for many, many years. There was a time when I was a student at North Charleston High School where I would look out and I would see that the community was just desperately in need of the gospel. And even as a teenager in high school, I would pray to God and I would ask Him that He would begin to move and work in this community. And through His grace and His sovereign work, He has brought churches that have been all in with the mission. Now, it has taken time for these churches to get to this point. But I'm watching as God is moving and working in the churches in this community. They're being pastored by men of God that say, whatever God wants, we're doing, period. And it's this solid mindset of everybody coming to the table together to say, this is the people we've been called to. And so because of that, we are going to do what God tells us to do, period. Period. And that is our mission here at Holmes Avenue. We say it week after week after week. But we are equipped, prayerful people that are deployed on mission. We say every single week that we are here so that every man, woman, and child in our circle of accountability has multiple opportunities to see, hear, and respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is why we exist, that is our purpose. We deploy on mission under God's sovereign direction for the welfare of the city all while trusting the Lord. So with that said, let's dive into point number one. We deploy under God's sovereign direction. We deploy under God's sovereign direction. Look again at verse four. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, we see here that it is specifically Yahweh. It is God who has exiled them. Because there's a purpose. There's a purpose while God has exiled them to Babylon. There's a purpose as to why God has called us here. To reach the people in the community with the power of the gospel. Five and six say, build houses and live in them, Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. In verses 5 and 6, Jeremiah tells them to build houses and to live in them and to plant gardens and to eat the produce. What does this mean? Why is God doing this? God wanted them to settle down. God wanted them to make roots in the place where God had exiled them. God wanted them to stay there. God wanted them to be there for a greater purpose. What's interesting to note is, although they're exiled, they had a lot of freedom there in Babylon. They were able to go and do as they pleased in exile. The only thing was you couldn't go back to Judah. And so they're there and they're exiled and they're there and they're told to, to stay put now, later on, if you read to read through the rest of the chapter, we're only going up to verse fourteen today. But if you were to read through the rest of the chapter, you know that these false prophets, these diviners, there they are, are thinking, "Oh, well, we'll only be here for probably about two years." But as we just read a few minutes ago, as we'll see through the rest of the passage, God calls them there for at least seventy years. God wanted them to make, God wanted them to stay put for a purpose. God has an ultimate purpose for his church here at Holmes Avenue. He has a purpose to be God. And so that every man, woman, and child has these multiple opportunities to hear the gospel. He has a purpose for us under his sovereign direction. See, God leads them into exile. He's the one directing them. It wasn't Nebuchadnezzar. Ultimately, it was God. And God, in his sovereign work, has brought those of us here that identify as members of Holmes Avenue. And if you're not a member of Holmes Avenue and you're here and you're just trying to kind of explore and maybe hear about what God is doing, I invite you to stick it out. Stick it out with us and see where God is leading us. See what God is doing. I've had the privilege of, in two weeks from today, being here five years. God didn't call me first to be the pastor here. God called me to be associate pastor for the time period I was until last year when, when he began to move me into the role I'm in. And I'm not, I'm not bragging on anything, but I'm telling you is I've been here five years and I've been able to see how God has been working in and through you. But there are you people in here that have been here for many years, longer than five years. You have faithfully served this congregation for years. You have seen the good days. You've seen the bad days. And I pray that you see, if you take a a step back and you begin to look, you see how God is moving and working and building his church and what he's doing here. And it's not because of Brian. (laughs) Oh, no. It's not because of Walter. It's not because of our deacons. It's not because of our leadership. It's because God is telling us to do something and we're saying, yes, Lord, and we're doing it. And we as a church body are on board with that. And we're saying, yes, Lord, whatever you want. So we must continually follow God's sovereign direction. Secondly, and we're going to camp out here for a minute. Number two, we deploy for the welfare of our city. We deploy for the welfare of our city. Look again at verse 7. Verse 7 tells us, But seek the welfare of the city. Where I have sent you into exile. And pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. I love this verse. It's the it's the the biggest piece of meat in this passage for us. It's powerful. We see here in verse 7 that it says to seek the welfare of the city. What does that word welfare mean in the Hebrew? Well, it's defined as shalom which means soundness, welfare, peace. God's telling them to seek the peace of the city. If we are prayerful people that are equipped as people who have been reconciled to God and we are agents of reconciliation, if we are doing that work, would it not mean that we are to seek the welfare of our city? Would it not mean that we are to seek the welfare of our community? Yes, it would. We would seek the welfare of the city. We would seek to see North Charleston radically changed by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It would be beautiful. He's telling these surviving exiles, these elders, these priests, these prophets, and all the people that are there to seek the welfare of the people. The people that they don't necessarily look like. The people that they don't necessarily like or agree with. These are the Babylonians. These are people that are not like us. These are pagans. They don't worship Yahweh. And yet you want us to go and seek the welfare of them? Yes. Yes, God does. Yes, He does. The first part of verse 7 says to seek the welfare. And then it also says and pray for their welfare. Pray for their welfare and not their downfall. The natural tendency of them would have been to not want to be peacemakers. Their natural tendency would want to be troublemakers. Warren Wiersbe, who's a wonderful biblical scholar, he's no longer with us. He died, I believe it was last year. He says in his commentary on Jeremiah, they were to pray sincerely for their enemies. They were to pray sincerely for their enemies. And it's a good reminder to us, if you would look at on the screen, 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 3, Paul's instructing young Timothy as he's writing this letter to him. He says, first of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and those who are in high positions, that they may lead a peaceful and quiet, godly and dignified in every way. This is good and it is pleasing in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. I know verse four wasn't on there, but I wanted to add that there. Let's dive into that for a moment for our community. Let's think about that for a moment as we think about the place that we've been called to. He's called us to this community. He's called us to the city. We've been called by God to make an impact in this city for the welfare of it. That means that we as a prayerful people, we pray for our mayor. We pray for city council. We pray for those that God has put in the positions that he's put above us. We pray for those that are serving this city faithfully. We pray for those that surround this building and that surround our homes that they may see, hear, and respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. We pray that our city would look radically different. Kimberly, if you would, put that graphic up there. Walter showed you guys this a couple weeks ago. It's right out here in our Welcome Center. It's a, a wonderful mural that our friend Will Davis painted for us. You we say, well, Brian, it looks awesome, but what is it? If, if you weren't here and you didn't know what, what this is for. This is our circle of accountability. This is a one-mile radius around Holmes Avenue Baptist, Baptist Church at 4602 Durant Avenue. You might not see it, but right there in the dead center, there's another little circle, and that represents our church building. This is a one-mile shot around this building. And I'm going to give you something that Walter gave to you two weeks ago. And I pray, I pray that it hits you as hard as it hit me. Within a one-mile radius of this church, there is 72% of the people that live within a mile of this church that do not identify themselves as followers of Jesus Christ. Of 1,500 people, that is 1,080 that are lost. That's one mile radius of this property. Now you see, that includes Part Circle, that includes all the way up North Rhett, pretty much almost before you go over the railroad tracks, before you hit 526, going that way. That includes South Rhett, going pretty much all the way down, almost before you get to the turn that gets to Rivers. That includes all the way down to Rant right here, even going on to Rivers Avenue that desperately needs a gospel presence. That includes Montague going all the way down to Arge Spot Coffee where it hits Virginia Avenue. This is a big one-mile radius church. And of the 1,500 people that are there, 72% have no relationship with Jesus. So going back to what Pastor Walter drove home for us two weeks ago, the call is urgent. And there are churches that are right here within this circle of accountability as well that see this need and say, whatever you want, God, we're in. And I praise God for that. We need to continue to be praying for our brother and sister congregations as well. Now, knowing this, knowing this information, what are we to do? We're to seek the welfare of these people. We're to seek the welfare of these people to see what exactly God is up to. What is he to do? If we sought the welfare of our community in such a bold, profound, powerful way, what would we see happen, church? I'll give you some examples. And this isn't just from Brian. This is from members of our leadership team that was at a training a couple of weeks ago. They all said these kind of things. We would see unity in our community. We would see lives changed. We would see a reduction in crime. We would see restoration of broken families. We would see racial reconciliation. We would see many, many more things. We would see the kingdom of God moving in such a powerful way. And here's the beauty of it, church it's not a far fetched idea, it's not an unattainable goal. This church has been in this community for 74 years. It's incredible. Next year, we will celebrate our 75th anniversary. COVID will be gone or taken care of. And we can have a big gathering, like homecoming, and we'll just see God just, we'll celebrate what God has done for 75 years. But if we're being honest, and I won't just say this about homes, this is true of every church, there's been times where we've taken our focus off of the mission. There's been times where every church takes their focus off of the mission. Because the reality is we're sinners. (laughs) Saved by God's grace, but we're sinners. But think about this. If we stayed the course, and we focused on the mission of God that He's called us to, and we truly deployed... Every day where we live, work, and play. Think about what the city would look like when we truly focused on its welfare. Think of the lives that would be changed. Think of people that are destined to hell, that are on a fast track, that have no promise of eternal life with God, that are lost. Think about what would happen to them. They would be radically changed They would give their life to Jesus. And they would be agents of reconciliation, seeking the welfare of the city. It would look totally different. And it's a beautiful picture, thinking that way, of what is to come. Because for those of us who are in Christ, there's a day coming where we won't face the pain of this world. There's a day coming where we won't walk around in pain and suffer and miss loved ones and, and, and just battle the things of this life. Because there's a day coming where in Revelation 21, 1-8, through 8, the Word of God says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And He who was seated on the throne saying, Behold, I am making all things new. Also He said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And He said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will form, the spring of the water of life without payment. And this is a reality. The one who conquers will have his his heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. This is it, verse 8. But for, for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. There's a reality coming, a reality of eternity. And for those in Christ, we will dwell in his presence forever. And it will be beautiful. It will be amazing. I don't know about you, but I can't wait for that day. And the reality is, those that do not know Christ, their reality is verse 8. We must be deployed on mission for the welfare of the city because there are people who will be separated from God for all eternity. And if it doesn't break your heart, church, get on your face and repent. I beg you. Because there are people who are dying and going to hell that need to hear the gospel, that need to know that hope that lies within us. So be deployed. Be deployed for the welfare of the city. Verses 8 and 9 tell us, For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Do not let your prophets and your diviners, those who are among you, deceive you, and do not listen to the dreams that they dream. For it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. God is telling them there through Jeremiah, that there are those that are false prophets that are trying to deceive the people. In Jeremiah there is warning against this. They're prophesying lies in the Lord's name. The Lord does not send them to do this. They need to stay focused on what God had told them to do. And I want to just point out to us, church, there are going to be times while we are deployed on missions There are going to be times where there are those that try to take our focus off of the mission. There are those that are going to spit lies at us. There are going to be those that do not want to see the kingdom advanced. There are going to be times where the enemy is going to do everything in his power to destroy this church. We need to be prepared for that. We need to understand that. And we all, as one body, need to stay focused On the mission. We need to stay in the word every day. We need to stay focused on what God has called us to do. We must be unified as one body. And I pray that there are times that you hear anything that comes out of Pastor Brian's mouth, Pastor Walter's mouth, that you would come up and say, hey, I'm not too sure about what you said. I can promise you, I've told you this before. We take what we do on Sundays, what we do on Wednesday nights, any time that we're before you, we take this with the utmost, the utmost fear and reverence. We don't feel that we are capable of doing this, and we know we're not, but God uses us. We submit to His authority, and we promise you that we are going to lead you. We are going to lead you as God is telling us to lead you. We are going to do our very best to be obedient. And we pray that you will see that and that you will dive in and say, let's do this. There's ever, ever, any time where you're like, hey, can we talk about something that I heard? Or Pull us aside. We'll talk. We're open. We're books. (laughs) You can read all about it. We'll tell you any and everything. Lastly, we deploy... Trusting the Lord is with us. We deploy trusting the Lord is with us. Look at verse 10. Verse 10 says, "For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you, and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. God promises them that after these 70 years, He is going to bring them back." Now verses 11, we're going to just look at quickly. Verse 11, a lot of times can be taken out of context. As Pastor Walter said on, on uh, Wednesday night on his video, he said many of us may have this verse somewhere in our house, maybe on a coffee mug or something like that. It says, for the pl- I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. The biggest thing I want us to see in that verse is that God knows his plans for us. He hasn't gotten off the throne. He will never get off the throne. He's in control. He's leading. Submit to his leading. Be obedient. Walk in obedience to him. Verse 12, you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. What a beautiful promise. What a beautiful promise. We see this promise that God hears our prayers when we bring them to him that he will hear us. He will hear the cries that we bring to him. What are we bringing to him? Are we praying for the welfare of the city? Are we? Are we praying that every man, woman, and child truly has multiple opportunities to see, hear, and respond to the gospel? Are we truly praying that people that are right around us come to faith in Jesus? Again, if we're not, we need to be on our face repenting and beginning to do that work. Thirteen. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. Are we seeking him with all our hearts? Or are we just checking off a box every day? I did a quick prayer to you, Lord. I read a quick verse. I'm good to go. Are we truly seeking Him? Are we desiring that time with Him? Are we desiring to grow in the sanctification process? To be more and more growing deeper and deeper in that relationship? so that we can be used as agents of reconciliation for the welfare of the city. And then 14, I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all nations in all places where I have driven you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. Here lies this promise of restoration to Israel. Warren Wearsby again says, Jeremiah is looking ahead to the end of the age when Israel will be regathered to meet their Messiah and enter their kingdom. It's this beautiful promise and foreshadow to what we read earlier with Revelation 21, 1 through 8. So I want to ask you, what are some action points that we can do moving forward? You might say, well, Brian, you've told us the what, we've heard the why, really zoning in on this welfare of the city. But what do you want us to do? Well, I'm glad you asked. One thing that we are doing corporately as a body of believers that God has blessed us with in a beautiful partnership is with Hersey Elementary. I just want to read to you very quickly just a couple of things that came in just this week. If you remember right before school started, we took Chick-fil-A lunch with chips and drinks and, and all of that over to Hersey, and we, we carried a cart, a gigantic cart full of school supplies for the school. And just this week, Ms. Herons and Dr. Chevelle, the principal, sent a card to us. And, and there's not a, a massive note, but I just want to just read to you just a couple of the things that are said on here. Holmes Avenue Baptist Church, your ministry is a blessing. Thank you for the delicious lunch and school supplies. Oh, what a blessing. We are very thankful for your support. Thank you. What a treat the lunches were. Thank you for taking care of us. Thank you so much for all you do for our school. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being so kind. Thank you. Thank you very much. You are a blessing. You are amazing. Thank you. You guys are the best. Why do I read that to us? I don't read that to us so that we can sit here and just continually inflate our ego to say, look what we did. I read that to say that there are people in the harvest that God has called us to that we're making an impact on. So I'm not boasting in Holmes Avenue Baptist Church. I'm boasting in Christ for what he's allowing us to do. You know what happened that day? When we went in there and we laid out the food for them, Dr. Chevelle walked into the room and he said, Hey guys, glad to see you. Thankful you're here. And then he looked at me and he said, Pastor Brian, here you go. And he handed me the intercom. And I had free reign to say whatever I wanted to say in a school church. And so I let them know why we were there, and then I got to pray for them. God is allowing things to take place in that school, and he's using us to do it. God is going to do something really cool, and I'm not going to give it away yet, because we've got a couple of weeks still before we announce everything, but we're going to do something powerful for them at Christmas. And I can't wait. It's going to be a, an awesome opportunity for our church. But I want you to continue to pray because corporately that is something that we as a body can do. And I know we're going a little bit later on time, so please forgive me, but this is just very, very important. The next thing is this. I don't want you to get lost in that graphic of the circle of accountability and every man, woman, and child and look at this as such a daunting task. And say, well, Brian, I don't know how we can even do that. Here's the thing I want each of us to do. We corporately are responsible for this circle of accountability that God's given us. We corporately are responsible to make an impact in Hersey Elementary because God has called us to that. But each and every one of us that are agents of reconciliation, that have been saved by God's grace, that are Christians in this room, each and every one of us are called to a circle of accountability where we live, work, and play. You've heard this over the last couple of weeks. And I really want us to zone in on something very quickly about where we live. Work, that makes sense, the people right around you in work. Play where you go and live life. But where we live, each and every one of us are called to a certain area where God has us living in a home. And there are those of you that are on the the church council that, that already have one of these and you've heard this, so bear with me. But church family, I want each and every one of us today even if you're not a member of Holmes Avenue, please take one of these. There's, I'm pretty positive there's enough for every family unit. So if, you, if you're in a household together, just take one. But there's a, there's a magnet that I want you to take. And I want you to put it on your refrigerator. And in the center of this is a house. And then on the squares around it, there is a, a little bit of a shadow house. So the one in the middle is yellow. And the ones around are a little bit of a, a darker shadow color. This is to represent in the center your home, and the houses that are around it are to represent the houses that are around your house in proximity. Now, I didn't make this up. Pastor Walter didn't make this up. It's a wonderful resource called The Art of Neighboring, but this is what I want us to do. This is what we want us to do. I want us to begin to figure out the names that are around us, and if you're like me, just being transparent, before Miranda and I and the kids moved to Otranto last year, I couldn't tell you all the names that surrounded my house at our old place. And we had lived there for years. So for those of you that would say and identify that way and say, I don't necessarily know those names. Here's what we want you to do. We don't want you to feel uncomfortable. We don't want to make you feel like this is a daunting task. This is what we want you to We want you to begin to pray that God would give you opportunities to begin to make relationships with those people that are around your house. And if you don't know the names of the people that are right around your house, there may be a little bit of an uncomfortable conversation that you may have to have. Knock on the door, see him out in the yard for a minute. Hey, so-and-so, I um, just want to let you know, hey, my name is Brian, and I live here at this house. And to be honest with you, I've been living here for X amount of time, and I've never met you and don't know your name. But I just want you to know who I am. just want to get your name. Don't make it weird. (laughs) Just ask them their name and start to begin that relationship. Maybe in small, tangible ways. And then if you're so daring, ask them if there's something you can pray for them. And I want to encourage you, we're going to follow up on this. So in the next couple of weeks, we're going to be praying for you throughout this time. Be praying for us because we're doing the same thing. And in a couple weeks, at the conclusion of one of our gatherings, we'll ask the question, hey, does anybody have a testimony of a, a, a couple of names that they've been able to fill out? This is a way for us to not only as a church body corporately to be focused on the circle of accountability right around us here, but for us to also, don't miss this, be everyday missionaries where we live, work, and play. Because the role of being a follower of Christ deployed on mission is not reserved for the pastors and the leadership of the church. It's reserved for each and every one of us. The band's going to go ahead and come forward. I'm going to pass these out at the end. I want to encourage you when we go to leave, if everybody would go out those doors at the conclusion of the service. I'll be there. I'm going to hand one out to everybody if you would when you pass by. The band's going to come forward. They're going to lead us in a closing song. But as they're getting in place, we're going to move into just a time of response and prayer. And I want you, during this time, to stop and ask God, Lord, what is it that you're trying to tell me through this message today? What is it that you're trying to tell me? You might say, well, I'm not a follower of Jesus. I don't even know where to go beginning this concept of being deployed. Well, I pray that you would come and talk with me and let me share with you more about what it means to follow Jesus. See, what Jesus did for us is, is the most humble, powerful thing that's ever been done in history. He came from heaven to this earth, born of the Virgin Mary, lived a perfect, sinless life, and was betrayed by one of his followers and sentenced to death on a cross. Nails driven into his hand and his feet where the wrath of God was poured out on him until the moment he gave up his life. He was buried in a tomb. And then three days later, he resurrected from the grave. And he did that for sinners, you and I, who deserve God's wrath. We needed a perfect substitute, and that is Jesus. And that is what this community needs is to know of the one who took their place for their sin. So if you're here today and you say, well, I don't know about this Jesus. I need to talk with somebody about that. Let that be a time for you to respond and talk with us about that. Maybe you're here today and you're a follower of Jesus and you say, you know, I'm I'm not deployed on mission as I should be. Okay, start today. Start today. Ask God, Lord, what are ways in which I can begin this process of being deployed on mission for you? Because the reality is, church, we did this several months ago before COVID. If you walk outside of the walls of this building and you just look around, you see the harvest that is plentiful. You see the need right around you. If you turn on the television for one moment, you'll see the dire need for Jesus Christ in this country. So let's take a moment of quiet response. I want you just to sit there and be praying, asking God, Lord, what is it that you're saying now? And then I'll pray for us and we'll sing. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, Lord, I thank you for today. Lord, I thank you for this time of worship that we've had. Father, I thank you, Lord, for your word. Lord, I pray for those of us in this room and those of us that are listening online right now. Lord, if there's someone here that doesn't know Christ Jesus as Lord, I pray that that they would begin to ask, what does it mean to follow Jesus? Lord, ultimately, as your word tells us, it involves the repentance of our sins and the acknowledgement of Jesus Christ as, Lord, believing in your finished work and your resurrection from the grave. Lord, for those that are here that know Jesus or that are listening online, they say, I am not deployed on mission as I should be. Lord, I pray that they would not see this as a daunting task. They would see that every day, bit by bit, moment by moment, you are moving and working. Lord, they would see the opportunities of being everyday missionaries for your glory. Whether it be beginning a conversation with a neighbor, talking to a coworker, talking to someone in our own house. Lord, I pray that you would begin to move and work in such a powerful way. Use your church for your glory. Bring many people to faith in Jesus. We love you, Lord, and we bless you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.